When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey everybody, and welcome back to From Complex to Queens, Amazing Avenues Minor League Podcast. I'm Steve Saipa, and I'm joined this week by Lucas Vlahos, Ken Levin, and Thomas Henderson. How are you guys doing? Good, good. I'm doing well. How are you? Doing good. Enjoyed the uh, upset today in the College Baseball World Series. That was entertaining. Apparently, it couldn't have happened to a nicer team. <laughs> I mean, I, I love their heel turn, and this is uh, a I mean, I got no problem with them being heels, but you also get to enjoy when heels lose. Yep. <laughs> it's crazy, though, right? They were, like, so far and away. Tennessee, we're talking about Tennessee, for those of you yeah. who don't know who we're talking about. Um, so far and away, the best team in college baseball this year, and they lost to Notre Dame who I don't even think we're a top 25 team. Probably not. Baseball! Hey, yep. Yeah. All right, so promote, extend, trade. And I'll. It's a, this is a little anecdote from today. So this morning I met with, um, me and my mom met with my sister and my brother-in-law, and we, we went out for breakfast early at like 8 o'clock or so because we wanted to avoid the Father's Day crowd. Mm-hmm. So the problem with that, it's not Father's Day today. Yeah, I was going to say. 
<laughs> yeah, so whoops, we we uh we made our entire plan around Father's Day and Father's Day is next week. So that's a big oops. <laughs> so we are going to look at these baseball related oopses and promote oh. XN and trade them. And they're all kind of pretty impactful in their own way. It's not just like, you know, like Luis Castillo dropping the ball, for example. Like, yeah, it sucked and it, it lost the Mets a game, but ultimately, like, it didn't really matter. These are all pretty pretty big oopses. Um, so the first one is the Bill Buckner ball play, I should say. Mm-hmm. Next one is Boston Red Sox owner Harry Freeze trading Babe Ruth for some money to produce his Broadway productions. And last but not least is Jim Joyce's call in the Andres Galarraga almost perfect game. Oof. God, I remember that last one so vividly. Oh, I know. And it's uh, it's it's almost worse because he was, and I can be, I might be wrong on this, but if I recall correctly, he was generally regarded as a good umpire, and he fucked up one call and clearly felt like if it was Angel Hernandez, it'd be a lot easier to say, God <laughs> damn it, Angel. Angel at it again. But instead, he's like, actually felt really bad about it, and there was a whole thing. And he knew he messed up. Like, Yeah, the next day he was like crying. Like, he knew that he, like, that he like totally uh, sold that call. And like, it is funny though, that call probably now made that that game like live forever in a different way. Like, mm-hmm. like he'll always like in in twenty years, people will be like, yeah, there was another no hitter that was almost a no hitter, but this happened, and it'll just be a no hitter anyway. Like, no one's gonna take that. Everyone kind of knows the deal that it was an actual no hitter that just got messed up by an umpire, you know. Mm-hmm. But it's still in the technical record books, not. May, I don't even think they'll ever amend it too because there's no replay. But it's pretty wild. Honestly, I don't even know what he was thinking. I mean, if I was in that situation, it's an out. It doesn't matter if the guy is like three feet in front of the like he's he's out. It doesn't matter. This is anything that's halfway close. I'm calling that out. Why would you? I don't know. It's Why so would odd. safe be in your vocabulary at that point? It's so odd because it's not even like close. Like yeah, no, he was like a, like a step and a half. Like he's very clearly out. Like everyone, even at home, was like, like it's not even one of those like plays where you look at it and you're like, oh yeah, well that was real close, and I could see how you could call him safe. And that. no, like he was out. He just <laughs> didn't call him out, so he was safe. You know. For for eight hundred dollars or double jeopardy or whatever you want it to be, who can name the batter? Oh, for I some can't. reason it's burned into my brain. So hmm. it's gonna be like some guy that. Oh, it's a no one. It's a total oh, it's a no, no one. one. Oh, okay, it's a total no one. Ender Inciarte. No, this hmm. was on the Cleveland at the time Indians. Random utility infielder Jason Donald. Now I would have never. I don't know why that name is just I, I, Jason Donald. Just no. That's funny. Is anyway, we're a mess podcast. Jason, is that the same Jason Donald was involved in the not Travis Darno trade? No. Uh, he was in the 
Cliff Lee Cliff trade. Lee trade. Yeah, 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 yeah. He was. Okay. He went from the. He was a Phillies draftee that went to, to the yep, Indians yep. for Lee. Um, and then, if I recall correctly, he was also in that three-team Shinsu Chu deal a couple of years later. Um, so he gets what, what, a, what an interesting career for a <laughs> random right. guy. Um. Anyway, we're Matt Pack podcast, so I'm extending the Bill Buckner one because duh. Mm. That one's like I, I I was looking up the '86 Mets in comparison to like the league itself, and that team's like one of the best teams literally ever. And the Red Sox that year were good, but they weren't that good. So it's like that's also a chance to like upset a team that everyone figured was going to be a World Series, you know, like. Yeah. You, you gave them life when they were re- they, they were done. Like I, even I'm not 100 percent sure. Like he even makes gets Mookie out, but that doesn't like lose them the game at that point. You never know what happens after that. You know, right? Like right. there's a there's a definite possibility Mookie beats him to the back because he was very fast and Buckner was a million years old at the time. And like Buckner wasn't even really playing the field at the time because he was so old, and they just wanted him to be on the field when they won a World Series, and then yeah, oh he my literally. God, what a- and then he literally loses the World Series for you. You know what I mean? What a horrible decision. Like, the Mets won 108 games that year, and then the Red Sox won 95. Like, the Red Sox weren't a team to scoff at, but mm-hmm. 108 wins is, like, top whatever all time, you know? Like, the 86 Mets were a true juggernaut and to kind of choke the World Series away against them. And then they blew a lead in Game 7 anyway, but... Yeah, <laughs> I mean it's the Mets, right? Nothing can ever be easy. Even when yeah, exactly. they're good, they ha- it has to be interesting. Yeah, very true. I don't even remember what the third one was. The Red Sox trading Babe Ruth. Yeah, yeah, you know, that's a pretty big that's, oops. That's a big oops, but also you should have won many World Series besides that because you were the Red Sox, even right. without Babe Ruth. All right, so our way-too-early draft updates. Uh, I don't even really know who's still around at this point. I mean, Gavin Cross, Jace Jung, I'm not sure. uh, Cross is done today, like today was Mm -hmm. his last game, Um, because Virginia Tech lost to Oklahoma. Right, right, right. Jung played as we recorded last week, so I could update on his two games. Mm -hmm. And then did Porter pitch? Probably not. I think they're done. I have to disable ad block on Max Prep, so go ahead, Ken, while I do this. <laughs> okay, so uh, last Sunday, while we recorded, um, Jace Jung played two games, one versus Georgia Southern, one versus Notre Dame. He went two for nine, no extra base hits, no walks, two strikeouts, so a pair of you know rough games. Uh, bringing his overall you know numbers for the season to... 335, 481, 612 in 224 at-bats across 61 games. He hit 14 homers, 33 extra base hits, walked 50 times, and struck out 42 times. So, excellent season, but a bit of a downer to end. Yeah, I was going to say that from, like, looking at, like, Twitter and, and Reddit and things like that, where people are looking at the draft from just not, like, a Mets perspective, but just in general, a lot of people are saying that, like, oh, man, um, Jung's, like, stock may have gone down a bit because of his 
I'm not going to say rough, you know, regional play and, and end of the season or whatever, but just not as good. Buy the that? dip. Yeah. Buy yeah. the dip. <laughs> Um, I as as a Mets fan, where they pick at eleven, I wholeheart, wholeheartedly support <laughs> <laughs> these comments. I think I think if Jung is there at eleven, you metaphorically sprint to the podium to hand that pick in. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Um, uh, Porter did in fact pitch yesterday. Uh, mm. Five innings, 14 strikeouts, three walks, two hits. Um, giving up hits the last two starts, man. Just, just absolute trash, you know. <laughs> Let him drop to the Mets in the second. Realistically, still going to probably be the first pitcher off the board unless someone uh, has the cojones to take Lesko ahead of him, which might make sense. But Porter uh, going to go in that 10 to 15 range almost certainly. Yeah. And um, Gavin Cross, they Virginia Tech, like I said, they lost to Oklahoma in their playoff uh, round. I, I think it's the super regional. I always I watch college baseball, but like more for the players and not so much for what's going on. So sometimes it's like the words they use confuse me. But in game <laughs> one, they lost five four, and he went one for five. In game two, they won fourteen eight in a very college baseball-y score, and he went. Two, four, five with a home run, and then today they got blown out. They lost eleven to two, and he went over, over four. So it was kind of a uh, an okay a meek end to his season. But he had like this is the best season in Virginia Tech baseball history, I think, and he was their best player. So he's gonna. I would be surprised if he's there at eleven, and if he's there at eleven, they should draft him. Let I can see ask, him going back end top ten is what I think he goes. Let me ask a potentially stupid question. If in some hypothetical world the rough uh finishes for both Jung and Cross <laughs> pushes their stock down far enough that the Mets could draft both, would you do that? Well, absolutely. With the counter argument being, oh, you're doubling up on the same demographic of college or whatever. I, I, whatever. I, I, I take the best guys. I, oh, yeah, yeah oh, just yeah, take yeah. the talent. You don't have the galaxy. I was having, I was, I forget who I was talking about this with. And they're like, yeah, we don't want to double. Like, wh- why the hell would you not? I'm going to take the two high end college hitters and get them up to the majors in two years. It's going to be great. But and they also play different positions. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not, yeah. I'm not drafting for talent. I mean, I'm not drafting for a need or position or anything, mm-hmm. but like one's an infielder and one's an outfielder. Like, and I mean, in, in baseball, literally the only position you should ever think about like having filled is maybe catcher, and other th- because catcher just loses so much value if you have to move them off the spot. Other than that, who cares? So and like yeah, and also to your point, like if Jones a third baseman, but Beatty's playing a good third base, then he learns a new position or he plays DH. Like. If you ever if you draft a good catcher and then Francisco Alvarez is here, well then you just he sits half the time because that's how right. he doesn't play anywhere else because he's a catcher. Right. Like exactly. They, there's no secondary talent spot for him, like position wise. So I don't know, cross play the outfield. The Mets have no he would be their best <laughs> high minors outfield prospect the day after the draft and he wouldn't even be in the high minors. Like that's no. how poor their their high minors outfield is and 
Yeah. Now, to be clear, this isn't going to happen. Like, there's no way one of these guys is there at 14. I would, like, eat my shorts if one of them was there at 14. Yeah, I, w- I would be shocked. I think Cross goes from from all the mocks. Obviously, mock for baseball is even weirder than football because a lot of times you could hone in way better for football because there's no mm-hmm. manipulation of the, of the slot and all that. And basketball, too, for that matter. Really, any other sport. But none of the mocks have Cross really dropping past nine. Mm-hmm. Like, that's kind of his... Because at eight or nine, you're just ta- you're, you're taking the really good college hitter who will be there in two years. So cool, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, that would be that would be fun. That would be a fun um, podcast that night. All right, now we will move on to the affiliates, and first up are the Syracuse Mets, and they played the Scranton Wilkes-Barre Railriders. And went two and four, so they are twenty-one and thirty-eight on the season. Scranton is the second worst team in the division, so Syracuse had the opportunity to claw out of the basement, but they couldn't. And they're still down there all by themselves. Mark Vientos, he came back from the injured list. He hit a homer, his eighth of the year, so that's good. Uh, we were talking about it last week. Eric Gorzi, he gave up another home run, so that's two for him in June now. So that's not good. Um. Other than those two guys, you know, I, I don't know. It's Thomas Zabucki, he wasn't that great. But honestly, he's kind of shifted over into that group of players that who really cares what they do because they're just there, filler. Yeah. So, yeah, it's uh, not really a fun team. Yeah. The Zipucky stuff is depressing. Yeah. They should be signing everyone who's available to go to AAA and see if they can figure it out, like the Trevor Rosenthal's of the world and stuff like that. Did Matt Strom ever get signed? I'd hit him up. Like they got, they got to get some depth there. Yeah. Another team that's bad, but at least they're fun, is Binghamton, and they played the New Hampshire Fisher Cats. They also went two and four, so that leaves them at twenty-one and thirty-five on the season. Uh, Ryan Mauricio, he went 4 for 19 with a double, 3 out of 4 stolen bases. This is a crazy stat. 4 walks and 2 strikeouts. Excuse me? Progress. (laughs) Crazy, right? This is Ronnie Ronnie Mauricio. The Ronnie Mauricio, yeah. Huh. So, maybe, maybe this is the beginning of the change, of the metamorphosis. But... On it's the also whole, just a hilarious, like, four walks, two strikeouts in, like, a week is hilarious. Yeah. For the whole season, he's hitting 249, 288, 459, with nine homers, 10 steals, and 10 walks to 50 strikeouts in 51 games. So, not too optimal. Brett Beatty, he struggled a little bit in May. But ever since he came back from the DL at the beginning of the month, he's really been seeing the ball well. And this week he went 8 for 20 with three multi-hit games, uh, two homers, four walks, and three strikeouts. So another guy that had more walks than strikeouts. But with Beatty, you can see it. He walks a lot. Um, With this kind of surge in June, he's raised his batting line from 257, 352, 403 to... 274, 370, 439, with five total homers, 23 walks, and 55 strikeouts in 45 games. So, still not optimal, but, I mean, 
three multi-hit games and two home runs in the week, you're not going to complain. Makes me think he was actually hurt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is, it is a possibility. And he just, they finally put him on I.O. and then he got healthy. Like, they want him to play through it a little bit, and they shouldn't have. Which is very Mets anyway, so. Yeah, the Mets yep. making someone play through an, in, an injury? Never. You never <laughs> see it happen. Good old Mets. Uh, Francisco Alvarez, in five games this week, he went 5 for 18 with two doubles, three homers, three walks, and seven strikeouts. So, is that counting his homer today, too? Yeah, all these stats are counting today. So he is heading now 275, 348, 549 in 50 games with 13 homers, 21 walks, and 60 strikeouts. And he has a uh, 12-game hitting streak going now. I was talking with my friend about this a little bit before we started recording today. What do you do with Alvarez if he keeps, you know, give him another month or so, and let's assume that this production continues? Um... Do you send him think, to AAA at all? Do you call him up? Do you just kind I don't of call say him whatever? Up. I don't call him up. I would I think, send him to AAA for a while. Mm-hmm. I agree. I think there are enough tangible issues outside of the stat line that still need to be worked on, which is not to diminish him as a prospect, but look, the dude semi-routinely whiffs on 55-foot breaking balls. Like, that's that's something that he has to improve on, I think, before you expose him to Major League Pitching. This person made the case that you're going to see elite breaking balls in the Major Leagues anyway, so... Yeah, but you, there's no reason right. to, like, rush... Right, I and mean, that's what I, I... I was saying just keep him in triple in A. Just give keep him for the whole season. I don't really even care about AAA, but... I mean, this his argument was it was a solid argument. He wasn't just arguing out of emotion, you know. Call him up, call him up, you know. Okay, so I have a stat line. Okay. Two fifty four, three forty one, three fifty one. Do you think he outhits that right now in the majors? No. Probably. What was that Nito's line? That's the Met DH line, isn't it? The suspense here. We may have lost Thomas in the middle of his suspenseful <laughs> question. Wow, is how is he going to do excellent that? Excellent television. <laughs> and by television, I mean radio. I think Much he's crashing for some reason. Oh, Thomas is back and now can reveal <laughs> yeah. the answer to his um, My Skype is crashing for some reason. It did this last week, too, but I wasn't talking, so it was fine. Um, mm-hmm. So 254, 341, 351 is J.D. Davis right now, mm-hmm. which is a 106-weighted WRC plus. Um, I don't think he outhits 254 because, and in AAA he was like before this hot streak, which is it's real. He did it. He was he wasn't even close to any of that. You know, mm-hmm. he was struggling, and it's because he's never seen breaking stuff like that before. So why at 20 are you gonna rush him past AAA to not catch because he's not a better catcher than Nito? I mean, he's probably better catcher than Mazika, but that that bar is not very high. So, he, so he, even if he's the backup catcher and the occasional DH, 
Well, you're going to have to carry three because you don't want to take your DH out of a game if Nito gets hurt and Alvarez is DHing because you don't have the bench for that. Like, that's just not that's not smart. Like, Buck did that in the game yesterday, and if the Mets somehow started to come back, then Trevor Williams would have had to hit for himself because he took the DH out in a blowout. And the Mets kind of made it a game, and, like, putting yourself in that situation is kind of dumb. So you don't really want to do that. So you've got to carry three catchers. And then, if you don't think he's going to out-hit your DH, who's also right-handed, what are you doing with him, you know? Like, that's kind of what I'm thinking. Where if you just stick him in AAA, and so if he hits in AAA for a month, then in August, you'd be like, hey, let's call him up, you know? But there's no reason to do that now, in my opinion. I agree. Yep. This is one situation where I miss the PCL, because imagine the damage that he could do. Oh, my PCL. God. Oh, God. He yeah. hit balls like 500 feet. Yeah. You disgusting. It would be great. I, I'd push this even further, because I'm a J.D. Davis apologist. He's got, like, one of the biggest differences between his Woba and ex-Woba in baseball. And yes, 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 ex-Woba is flawed, and it's a small sample size, and he hits too many ground balls. But I think it also passed the eye test that he's been hitting the shit out of a ball right at people fairly frequently. So I think he's better than that line, and I don't know that Alvarez is going to be a better hitter than him right now. And, like, to me, Alvarez is too important to the organization Exactly. On, on the whole. Mm-hmm. Where mm-hmm. I I know it's like this you can't this is really hard to to parse because of like confidence and off the field stuff, but I don't want him to come to the majors and hit one fifty and then get sent back down the triple A and it's all weird and it's kinda like Jared Kalenic stuff where then he's gonna kill triple A because he's already seen major league you know, and then he's not really learning anything in triple A, but then when you call him up he's not ready and it's it's a fine line, and I don't think there's a reason to rush him, especially when he still needs to catch and he still needs to work on his craft there, and he won't be the starting catcher on the Mets. He needs reps. He needs reps behind the plate, too. And it's not like a Brett Beatty situation where you could get him reps at third base every few games and DH Eduardo Escobar if the roles were reversed and Beatty's the one killing it. Like... There's only one place for him to play, and that's catcher. And Nito is maybe the best defensive catcher in baseball, or mm-hmm. one of the. Mm-hmm. And that difference in, va- in value is going to get hurt too. Like it's going to, we're going to feel that, even though it's not something you see in, like war or whatever, because mm-hmm. we don't really know how to parse that publicly. But you could just watch Nito and know that he's way better than everyone else the, who catches for anyone. Here, so. All right, so there we go. Some good Alvarez content. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. All right. And let's move on now to the Brooklyn Cyclones. <clears throat> Do we have to? Yeah. <laughs> they played the Aberdeen Ironbirds, just like Syracuse and Binghamton. They went 2-4. and four, So they are 24-31 and 31 on the season. And, you know, I'm, I'm willing to move on here, basically. I'm Mike Vassell, Mike Vassell and Junior Santos, they had good games. Maybe they'll be pitcher of the week. I need to crunch the numbers. Jalen Palmer, he just hit a grand slam. Cool, but he's still hitting, like, below the Mendoza line, so not great. And, yeah, Brooklyn is seeing better days. It's a wholly unexciting team. Yeah. It probably will be better soon, but right now there's nothing to see here. <laughs> nothing to see here. All right. Uh, St. Lucie Mets, they played the Jupiter Hammerheads, and they had a rare uh, off week. They split the series 3-3, three and three, and since Jupiter is the second-place team in the division, their lead stays at seven and a half games, just like it was when they came into the week. Um Alex Ramirez, he had a solid week. He went 6 for 17. Um, just one extra base hit in all those hits, though, a double. Stanley Consuegra went 10 for 23 with two doubles, two triples, and two homers. So definitely might uh, might be hitter of the week. Uh, who else? Junior Tillian, he went 7 for 28 with three doubles and a homer. He's so, been very interesting. Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely a good week for the offense. Um, Pitching-wise, though, nobody really stood out, um, like stat-line-wise. But Jose Acuna, he he pitched today. He pitched Sunday. Um, I'm sorry, not Jose Acuna. Jordani Ventura, excuse me. Oh. Yeah, he pitched today. He looked pretty decent. Obviously, um, you know, coming back from Tommy John, fastball averaged 92. It topped out at 95. That's about where it was prior to the surgery, so no real change there. Uh, he had some some trouble getting the curveball over for strikes, but his changeup was um, very good. I mean, there's only two innings here, but in those two innings, he had six swinging strikes on the changeup, two foul balls, and one of them... Uh, one one changeup was put in play, but it's a weak ground ball out anyway. So he was a guy whose curveball was better than his changeup. You know, when when he got the surgery, but at least in in today's game anyway, his, the changeup looked a lot better than the curve. I mean, it's and I might well, be misremembering, but usually that's the last thing to come back, right? Is you're breaking stuff in your control, so this would yeah. yeah. Track. Yeah. And his curveball, it, it always had, you know, above average spin rates, and it did today. And so, you know, it just, it's a it's a matter of controlling that break, you know. Um, so. A Tommy John surgery recovery that hasn't been a complete disaster in this organization? Yeah, I right. I was actually thinking Not about possible. that. <laughs> do you think that, now, I, I don't know, but do you think that there's any kind of difference? In 
not necessarily how the player is treated, because I'm sure that everybody, you know, gets access to the same medical care and, and rehab facilities and blah, 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 whatever. But, I mean, do you think that there's a difference between a guy that gets the surgery when he's younger and a guy who gets the surgery when he's moderately older? Or a guy that gets the surgery when he's in, like, you know, the complex or low A as opposed to the guy that's getting it in, in high A or double A maybe? I don't know. Are the ages – well, two things. The unfortunate thing about all of this, and we like to clown on the Mets for this as well, but frankly, the sample size is so small that you can't even definitively say anything about the Mets. It's within the probabilistic margins of error given average Tommy John recoveries. Now, the Mets probably still do some bad things, et cetera, et cetera. That's point one. Point two, it's really hard to say anything definitively about that question, but I would doubt that at the ages we're talking about, there's a huge difference, right? I don't know. It's not as if you're out of your physical prime at 22 if you're getting Tommy John as opposed to getting Tommy John at 18. Yeah, Um, and it's also not Max Scherzer getting it either, you know? Right. 30, whatever, and it's a whole other thing. Like... They're four years apart, and they're all young. The Mets are doing something weird. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully, new management taking over and stuff is going to help with that because Allen was in the weird transitionary period. Transitionary period, I should say, mm-hmm. is, the, is the actual word. Um, hopefully, we start getting better medical care across the board, and they start getting better with that stuff just in general. Because a lot of the bad Mets, Tommy John recoveries, the Bobby Parnells, the Zach Wheelers were the Wilpons and whatever they were doing <laughs> and whoever they were employing and all that stuff. So I, I don't want to just say, oh, the Mets may like, give them kind of a fresh slate, but it's new people. Like, it's new people, and we haven't even had a chance for Billy Epler to really make his total mark yet. He got hired and had to fix the major leagues, <laughs> you know? Mm. Well, here's hoping because there are a couple of Tommy John guys in the Mets system. So, most notably, obviously, as mentioned, Atlin. Yeah, he's the big one for me. Like that's kind of that's scary. And last but not least, last but not least, here are the Florida Complex League Mets. Their season started, and they are currently four and one. So. Um, in addition to them, the Dominican Summer League Mets, they also started their season. So we're just going to go over some of these these new names. Some of them are new names. Some of them are guys that have been in the system for you know a year, two or three, whatever, and they're just now kind of coming stateside or because the system is so thin, maybe we need to give a little bit more um, importance to them, whatever the case. But it's a bunch of different guys. Um, so as mentioned, Jordani Ventura, he was on the FCL Mets roster until literally this morning. He got promoted, so he's in St. Lucie now. Um, and he came back from Tommy John and everything. Speaking of coming back, Adrian Hernandez was assigned to the FCL Mets, and you might remember him from last year. We had quite a few debates about the, the merits of letting a young player struggle when they're in over their heads. And... um Hernandez certainly struggled with Brooklyn, and then it yeah. was all moot because he retired. And apparently he unretired because he was assigned to the FCL Mets, but he hasn't played in any games with them yet, so who really knows? There were he just hated hot dogs, hated Nathan's. He was like, yeah. 
I guess. I'm out. No, we can't do a hot dog chat again. Last time we did, I was craving a hot dog for literally a month. (laughs) All right, well, Nathan says frog legs. Did you know that? What the fuck? I cannot imagine going to Nathan's. You're trolling me right now. I do not believe you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like a specialty. Nathan's hot dog frog legs. Yeah. What in the fuck? <laughs> so if this goes according to plan in a couple of hours now, you're going to say to yourself, hmm, I wonder <laughs> I what frog legs taste like. <laughs> I, I wish this was a visual medium so that you and the audience could see just the look of befuddlement upon my face right now. Why does this exist? Because. Because. Okay. All right. That's the best explanation we're going to get. Great. Yep. But yeah, he, he, um, I guess he hated hot dogs. He hated Nathan's, whatever. But he retired. And there were some whispers of maturity issues and things like that. So maybe cooler heads prevailed and he's ready to play now and go on a tear. I don't know. I hope uh, so. That'd be neat. Yeah, sure. Interestingly, there's only one domestically drafted player on the FCL Mets, the entire roster, right now, anyway, and that is outfielder Blaine McIntosh. Oh, yeah. He is, um, if I'm remembering correctly, the, the last player to sign in the in the draft in 2019. Um, he was not a major name... But he did choose the Mets over going to play at Vanderbilt. So, I mean, that's yeah, that was kind nice of interesting. Here. That was kind of an interesting draft. But he also probably didn't have, like, a major scholarship either, again, because he wasn't, like, a, a big name. So maybe it's not that much of a coup. But it's still nice to see someone choose and say, hey, I'm going to go to the Mets. Uh, he's been in the system a couple of years now. He really has not progressed much. Um, but he did just turn 21. And he has a career 200, 310, 224 batting line in, 20, in, in 41 games. But I'm willing to give him a little bit more rope because I feel like guys of his age really got screwed over with COVID the most. Yeah, that's guys fair. That were, yeah. you know, he didn't play really too much in 2019 because he was graduating high school. Then he didn't play at all in, in 2021. So, I mean, that's really two full years of professional development that he lost, which, you know. And then when he got them last season, when he was ready to play, he was age and, and baseball experience um, ready for, you know, the complex GCL. Well, excuse me, they were still FCL last year, um, which, again, they only play like, 30 games a year, 40 games a year, so just really hasn't gotten a lot of uh, at-bats on his belt. Um, so, yeah, he's the only domestically guy, domestically drafted player, and everybody else is an international signing. So with all these guys, uh, Ben Battler's articles from Baseball America, they are basically required reading because he is the best source, bar none, for... All international players. Um, so two guys on the FCL roster, two right-handed pitchers, Jose Acuna and Aaron Martinez. They're almost carbon copies of each other. And this is something you're going to see a lot. Are guys that, yes, they all have very similar profiles because 
at this age and level, that's all there really is to it. Is yeah, you know, a guy is physically very strong, or he has a good fastball, but he's still learning other pitches. Like they're they're very obvious archetypes. Um, but Acuna and Martinez, they both sit in the low nineties. They're both around six feet tall. They're gonna grow a little and you know add some velocity to that fastball. They have solid curveballs, developing changeups. You know, it is very much the prototypical right-handed starter build. Um, you have outfielder Ural Martinez. He's a big left-handed power guy. He's athletic. He's able to play center field now. Probably not going to stay there, though. He's probably going to slow down, bulk up a little bit, and move to a corner. Um, outfielder Eric Santana, he's kind of the opposite. He has solid speed. He's good instincts. Kind of has a weak arm, so he's probably going to stay in center. And his hit tool is a bit more advanced than what he's projected to, his projected power output, so they're kind of opposites. Um, outfielder Eduardo Salazar, he was signed in 2017. He was actually, uh, he's the old man here. He was on the GCL Mets in 2019 and then the FCL Mets last year. And he did hit over 300 with the FCL Mets last year and had an 825 OPS, so... Not really sure why he's still there, but I expect him to get promoted to St. Lucie soon, relatively soon. Um, and then one last outfielder is Francis De Leon. He's a, a strong, physically mature kid. He has a quick bat, above-average raw power, also has an above-average arm, and at least in the foreseeable future, he should stick in center field, so... Couple of interesting names in the outfield. Couple of interesting names pitching-wise. Not too many. Uh, not too many infielders. It, I, this is. It, it's getting back to the Mets. Always taking. I mean, this is something they've done for years. Taking this more portfolio approach to international signings, which I don't even hate. And like they're they they usually have like one second-tier big-name signing. And we'll get to that guy in a minute, I think. And then they signed a bunch of these other dudes. And given the lack of information and the variance and outcomes here, I, I honestly think that approach makes sense. Hence why we have a bunch of guys where we're like, yeah, big, strong, or little, quick, and that's it. Mm-hmm. Cross mean, fingers and hope. Exactly. At, at this level and age, when you're signing players at 16 and you're scouting them at, like, 12, 13, 14, like you have such little information to go on, um, uh, little information to go on that's going to be reliable in any way, shape, or form. I mean, you know, are you, did you ever see kids playing Little League and like, you're like, oh wow, this kid is going to, he's going to be something? Like, you don't know. Uh huh. Like, okay, Big Al hits dingers. Yeah, sure, but. <laughs> Where is that kid? Is he draft <laughs> eligible anytime soon? <laughs> Can he be the Mets DH down the stretch? I'll take some big Al dingers. I wouldn't say no. I mean, that is a good question. When is he dressed out? One of you guys look up. Go to go to a perfect game and look up Big uh-huh. Al. Big Al. <laughs> put Big Al into the <laughs> Just thing. put Big Al into the perfect game. <laughs> I think his last name is like, it's something Italian, like Deliria or something. That does not. Do you have any idea yeah, how know, little I, that I narrows it down? <laughs> And he's from Jersey, I'm pretty sure. Yep, you're, yep. you're not helping. <laughs> so an Italian, an Italian kid from Jersey with his last name is Day something or other. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Yeah, we'll figure it out. Anyway, though, um, yeah. So I mean, that kind of approach. It's just you just look at 
what you think a kid may become and you just hope for the best because you will teach them their baseball skills. Yeah, it's it must be very difficult because, as you know, all the names when they get mocked to the major leagues are like, we'll talk about, I think, the guy, the big name for the Mets, but it's like George Springer and Byron Buxton. It's like, all right, yeah, sure. <laughs> you know, like, because no one's going to project some guy to be <clears throat> Travis Jankowski, because why would you sign him? But chances are that's what it ends up being. But also there's so much variance along the way that the really inexpensive guys could get really good. The really good guys could flame out. You never really know. Yeah, putting all your eggs in one basket is probably not the best strategy. I mean, look at Jason Dominguez. Not that he's bad. I mean, he's still a top 100 prospect. But, but he's he's not Mike Trout too, Electric Boogaloo? Yeah, and he, that was he's like... He's not Mike Trout and Mickey Mantle and Babe Ruth and everybody put together. And that was like... Certainly not. Him immediately. And mm-hmm. it's because no one really knows how to discuss it because they're too young. <laughs> All right, well, yeah, now we will look at the the youngest of the young. These are players now that, for the most part, are below 18. Some of them are a little bit older, but, I mean, by and large, all of these players now are going to be underneath, un, under 20 in the DSL roster. Uh, you know, Dominican Summer League, the Mets have two teams. Most teams have two teams. A couple of them even have three. And they just play in the Dominican Republic. There used to also be a Venezuelan Summer League, but that, that doesn't exist anymore. Um, so the main guys that the Mets have in the DSL are Willie Fanias and Simon Juan, who were their top IFA signings this year, back in January. Um, pretty similar. you know. Both have the ability to be power and speed threats in the field. Um, but, you know, who, who, who knows? Because, like we were saying, so much could happen. Fanias is 18, Juan is 16. So I, I would expect Fanias to move a little bit quicker. Yeah. And, and honestly, Fanias was even the think... guy was supposed to sign with the Angels, right? So he's like a year behind or yeah. ahead, depending on yeah. how you look at this. They actually both were supposed to sign with the Angels, which I kind of found interesting. Oh, that's kind of crazy, actually. I didn't know yeah. that Juan was supposed to sign with the Angels. Fanias was... I don't know what happened, but yeah, he is a bit older and just the signing never went through. So the Mets, you know, he went back to the drawing board and the Mets took him in a subsequent uh, IFA period. And Juan, I believe it was that he had a deal with the Angels, but then when they changed management or whatever happened, you know, they, they broke off the deal. So the Mets came in and signed him instead. I know Juan's like a relatively big deal. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're both, you know, I mean, power speed threats in center field. Again, who, who does that sound like? That sounds like Mickey Mantle. That sounds like Willie Mays and, and you know, all the greatest players of baseball. But Basically, if someone, if you are reading prospect coverage and they're making comps, especially that level of comp, you're probably reading the wrong prospect coverage. I'll, put, <laughs> I'll, I'll just put it that way. That's probably yeah. the most polite way I can say that. Yep. Especially for... IFAs, like, come on. Yeah. Um, two other guys that are in the D-cell that are in similar molds, but their potential aren't seen as being as high right now because uh, their hit tools are, are a few steps further back than Fanias's and Juan's are Yohairo Cuervas and Gustavo Marquez. So two more names. Um, so that 
is that it with the outfielders? How did I do this in order? Yeah, so that's pretty much it with the outfielders on the DSL. Really, it's those four names. Um, Pitching-wise is Elian Nunez, who I boldly predicted last year would be a top 25 player, <laughs> and he did not become a, a top 25 player. Ooh. He is starting the year on the injured list, though, and combined with the fact that he only threw like two innings last year and he's on the injured list now, I would I would say it's probably Tommy John if I was a betting man. Yep. Um, two other pitchers are noteworthy. One is right-handed pitcher Juan Arno, Arno, and the other one is left-handed pitcher Juan Valdez. Arno is, again, just like everyone else here. He's a, a solid fastball, low 90s, a solid curveball. He could throw strikes. Doesn't really have too much else. Um, Valiz, the left-hander, he has a fastball that sits in the high 80s. So, I mean, that's – I don't even know. In baseball, is the average left-handed pitcher's – fastball still like in the high 80s or has that it's just... definitely higher than that I would assume uh, yeah I mean I know like maybe six seven years ago that was the case but I, I kind of figured not anymore but I wasn't really sure but um yeah so it sits in the high 80s it has more movement than Arno's um and he also has a good curveball and you know same thing as a strike thrower so again the the very Basic archetype of pitcher, what you see this this low in the system. Um, infielders, there are shortstops Jesus Baez and Jonathan Henriquez. They both have above-average arms, above-average power, but either one of them or maybe both might be third basemen or even outfielders because their defensive chops at short probably are good enough. By contrast, D'Angelo Sarmiento who's the shortstop. He has plus speed and a plus arm, so he's basically guaranteed to be a shortstop. But he doesn't really project for much power because he's a contacted or contact-oriented pitcher, yeah, player. So, again, you have your archetypes, two guys, and the opposite kind of archetype. Um, I mean, you, got, you need guys to play every spot, so. Yeah. And, again, we'll go to catcher now, the last grouping, and you'll see again, you have... Two players who kind of are not polar opposites, but they fill you know very differing needs. And and um, first is catcher Daniel Silva. He's a big kid. He's six foot, two hundred pounds already. So uh, definitely has a raw raw average yeah, average raw power. Uh, he's a switch hitter, so that's good. He has power from both sides of the plate. Has a strong arm, but he needs to catch on work on the other aspects of catching, the receiving and and obviously framing. I mean, you have guys that are in the top of the minor leagues that still need to work on framing and things like that. But yeah, I feel like that's every young kid. <laughs> yeah. Um. So he has a good arm, but he needs to get better with basically everything else catching wise. There's another catcher in the system, Aranjel Rodriguez. Also has above average raw power. Um, he's not a switch hitter, though, and his arm is only eh, but he's a better receiver than Silva is. So, again, you have two kind of complementary skill sets, and if you were able to put them together, then you would have a top prospect, a top international prospect. But that's we how don't, it goes. We do not have the technology. No, we don't. Not yet. Maybe one day. 
So overall, in the, in the DSL, you know, outside of Fanyas and Simon Wan, there weren't really marquee signings. I mean, the last couple of years, the Mets have kind of had a low-key um, strategy of not putting all their eggs in one basket, like is the normal strategy. They signed a lot of, you know, mid-tier guys and spreading the wealth around and hoping, you know, quantity over quality. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. I mean, none of these guys are really ever going to be relevant. And the few that will be, you know, three years, four years, five years. So this is probably a random guy who we haven't even spoken about. Oh, yeah, and that's right. That's another thing. We'll figure it out, and there's magnitudes to this and how it goes. Right. Like I said, all of this is based on information that that Ben Badler has put out there. And, you know, he he is one man. He can only do so much. So there are guys that fell through the cracks, not just with him, but in baseball in general. I mean, look at, at Robert Dominguez, who kind of had a so-so showing for himself when he was first eligible to be signed in 2018. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, didn't didn't get signed. Back to the drawing board, back to more training. He grew a little bit. Well, a year later, he's throwing, you know, 95-plus, and he gets himself a, a solid bonus. And everyone's like, oh, my God, what a steal. And hopefully that's still the case, you know, when he finally is able to get back on the field. But the, all of this stuff is basically flying blind. Which is why, as a website, we really don't put too much uh, of an emphasis on the complex teams. We don't even include the scores for the DSL teams. And I do have a fun DSL score, though, if you want it. Oh, yeah, sure. DSL Mets won, 19. DSL New York Yankees, 16. Nice. The game How many walks were there in that game? Total? The, yeah. the Mets pitchers walked 13. <laughs> and the Yankees pitchers walked 13. Excellent. How, it took all right. five and a half hours. <laughs> what inning would Keith have lit himself on fire like the guy <laughs> in Airplane during this game? I think it's when in the top of the 11th, the Mets scored five to take the lead. You think he makes it to the 11th? I think he's out of there by, like, the 6th. <laughs> Simon You're just going to went... hear a really deep Keith sigh, followed by <laughs> the sound of flames engulfing <laughs> If you want to do the math on this one, Simon Wan went 0 for 7, walked once, and scored three runs. So <laughs> the, the, the Yankees had six errors on the day, and the Mets had two. So that's what it's like down there. Like, it's a very... It's a very raw brand of So 26 walks and 8 errors. I'm revising my estimate. Keith doesn't make it out of the fourth (laughs) inning. (laughs) There's no fucking way. I feel that, that, you know, things are definitely a little bit more lax. So alcohol would definitely be involved a lot more than it probably already is. Keith might say some things he (laughs) would later come to regret. (laughs) We might learn a little bit too much about Keith's political leanings during this game. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, that is why the DSL is not televised. I don't even even know if they're open to the public. Probably. They they do broadcast games on uh, On, uh, YouTube, right, or something? Yeah, like full games. Do they have commentary? 
I don't think so. They have a lot of numbers. Yeah. Uh, I, I I think it's like just a like a like a kind of iffy hard cam in center field. Yeah, yeah. Like you don't see much. Like you see very little, which is fine. I, that's well, like pretty it's, good. It's like, good for instructs, and that's all these kids are learning the game. Like that's going to happen. Like everyone who's played high school baseball and even travel baseball and stuff, which is not as competitive as this, has seen awful games like that where yeah. some someone can't find the strike zone and it takes eight hours to finish a game. It is what it is. Mm-hmm. That's just baseball at that level. Also, another another thing that just kind of that occurred to me when you were saying that is that yeah, these are these kids are are, are learning. They are just getting their their professional career started for a lot of these players this is the first time they're playing on decently manicured fields this is the first time they're wearing cleats this is the first time they're wearing actual legit gloves you know what i mean like it's true yeah it's unfortunate that it's like for sure yeah i mean so that also plays into things i mean if if you're used to playing catch with a, a piece of cardboard that you kind of fashion into a glove. Now you're, you're wearing a, whatever the quality of it is, but like a professional, you know, Rawlings glove or something like that. Like, it's going to take time to get used to, to, to things. You're playing on, let's just say, an evenly manicured field. You're used to playing on, on a dirt lot where there's all kinds of weird hops and, and whatever. Like, it's going to take a little bit of time to get used to that. I would also say for the hitters and stuff, like Simon won 16, playing against... 20-year-old sometimes who've been around, like, mm-hmm. his DSL is weird age-wise where there's a there's a decent size gap sometimes. So sometimes you're playing against people who you may have never played a game at this level of competition before. Like, mm-hmm. so there's a lot to think about with stuff like this, and there's a lot that goes into it that we don't see and we don't hear about. And, like, there's a lot of off-the-field stuff that these kids are still kids. You're 16, 15 mm-hmm. years old. Sometimes in a new country, if you're even if you're not from DR or something, and you're still in 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 the DSL, so. So again, this is why there's you know you don't put stock into really any of the numbers, and honestly, you don't even really put stock into some of the information that even comes out. You know, you, you or or things that you hear. You you want to see everything with your own eyes. And that's why when players come stateside, that's like, okay, now we can kind of more accurately gauge them and, and, and judge them and whatever else, evaluate them. So, yeah, base, minor league baseball is uh, in full swing. And, I mean, honestly, the next big roster-shaking event will be the draft in, a, in about a month or so. And... And then everything will be at full power. Yep. All right. So if anyone has any questions, comments, concerns, whatever, you can send us an email at our email address from complex to queens at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter and shoot us questions there. I'm at Steve Seiper. Lucas is at Elvahos343. Ken is at Ken1191. And Thomas is at SadMetSeason, S-Z-N. Subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast from, rate and review it, and of course we thank you for listening. So until then, until next week, love the Mets, love the Mets. <laughs>